0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: P.S. Meet Me at Stage Door. Hi guys, and welcome back to P.S. Meet Me at Stage Door. For today's episode, we have a new series that we're going to be doing on our podcast, which is going to be all about women in theatre in history. So we're going to be talking about some of the most influential women in theatre history, but before we get into that, over to Libby for the bulletin. In latest
0: news, the Australian national tour of Friends the Musical has confirmed new show dates for November and December 2020. They will be performing in Sydney, Perth, Brisbane and Melbourne, so don't forget to grab your tickets. You can find out more info on their Instagram at au. Those looking to catch Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at the Princess Theatre in Melbourne this coming August and September will have to wait a little bit longer to catch a glimpse of the Wizarding World, with reschedules set to happen for February 2021. In recent news, the Rob Guest Endowment Awards are now taking applications for 2020. The prestigious scholarship program will provide financial and industry support to the best up-and-coming new Australian theatre talents. To apply, head to www.robguestendowment.com.au.
1: Back to you, Tori. So, like I said before, today we're going to be starting a brand new series all about influential women in theatre history, which we think is just something so important to talk about. And we're going to be talking about some people that you might know, you might not know. Who knows? Honestly, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) I know that I, the person that I've uh, picked to talk about today, I knew nothing I did not know about this person. And I think it's crazy. Just so you guys know as well. Today's episode is going to be formatted a little bit differently because in the second half of our episode, we're going to be joined by a guest. So we're going to be getting joined by Paul Morrison, who is the co-creator of a new music theater board game, Theater in a Box. So make sure that you hang around and stay tuned for that. Well, today I'm really excited to be talking about
0: Vanette Carroll. Now, Vanette Carroll was a pioneer not only for women, but for the African-American community throughout the 1950s to 1980s through her work as an actress, director, and playwright. Now, she was actually the first African-American woman to direct on Broadway with her 1972 production of Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. Wait.
1: Ninth, like, 70s? 1970s. Yeah. That's so recent. I know. That is only, like... And, like, in in when you think about, like, some people... Someone's probably going to be like, that's, like, 50 years ago. Like, I know that's, like, 50 years ago. But, like, that in terms of history, that's super recent. I, I know I keep saying I know, but... Because, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Because I know,
0: but I can't believe that it was so recent. I mean, 50 years ago is a long time, but it doesn't feel so long ago for a woman of African-American yeah. descent to be directing a show on Broadway. And I mean, it was around the same time as A Little Night Music. I think, was it West Side Story was before that? It, West
1: Side Story, I believe, was before, a few years before that. But
0: Yeah, that's... I think it was. Crazy that they were telling stories
1: about people of colour, but not necessarily Mm. directed by women of colour. Exactly.
0: So she actually has ten... Broadway credits to her name, both as a director and performer. If that wasn't enough, she was nominated for three Tony Awards. One of which was for Don't Bother Me, I Can't Coat, which I said before, and the other two for directing and writing Your Arms Too Short to Box with God in 1977. <laughs> now I kinda wanted to dive into one of those shows, and I think the one that drew like I was drawn to the most was actually the musical That was Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. So I kind of did a little bit of research into that show itself. So this was one that she was most known for and it opened in 1972 at the Playhouse Theatre and was a review style musical that was conceived by Vinette. It centers on the resilience of African-Americans in the U.S., touching on issues such as student protests, black power, and feminism. The show itself was described as celebrating the rise of black aspiration and achievements, which I I think would be a very interesting show to be put on, you know, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement that's really um, in full swing right now, as it should be. It's definitely a work that, I think should get revisited, because not only that, it would be really interesting to see it, because it would be commenting on what African-American people were going through in the 1970s with oppression and, you know, especially, you know, they, they talk about feminism, like, what what is that? And I think this show would be very interesting to look at now, especially as all of, you know, these issues are still happening today, which 50 years later, you think that there's a little bit more progression, and there is to an extent.
1: Mm-hmm. But we can only speak from our experience, and we've not 100%. personally, um, as two white, um, women in yes. their 20s, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's uh, like in terms of the feminist side, obviously, we've experienced uh, uh, that mm. a, a lot in our own, but. Um, In terms of, you know, racism and discrimination in that sense. <laughs> we both haven't experienced that. I have absolutely. I, I mean, like, I can witness it and I can see it online and I can read the stories, but I still wouldn't even begin to encompass what it would be to experience it firsthand. So... Exactly,
0: exactly. Which I think would be... Um, That's why... You know, theatre empowers us and writing is one of those things that is important and and giving voice to those who need to share their story because it's important. So the music itself for this show was gospel, jazz, funk and soft rock. And I was listening to it earlier today and it is a bop. There is some really great music in this show. And I was going, (laughs) why have I not heard this before? Obsessed. Um... So, what makes this show so significant, obviously, is that she was the first Broadway director who was a woman and also of African American descent. But what makes this show even better is that Mickey Grant, who wrote the music and the lyrics for the show, became the first woman to write lyrics and music for a Broadway show. Again,
1: in the 70s. In, in the, the 70s. 70s. That's crazy.
0: Obviously, I was kind of looking it up going, was she the first woman on Broadway? Like, because woman, just woman, not, you know, due to race or anything. And I looked it up and there was a couple before, but it it wasn't like, I think it's really hard to determine who is the
1: first. Yeah, because there can be someone, like, as a a quick example, there can be someone that... uh wrote the script for it and they wrote all of the the dialogue for it and they kind of they wrote some music and stuff like that but they wouldn't be considered the to do the music and lyrics specifically whereas mickey grant specifically did music and lyrics it's what she do be all and all done exactly
0: so obviously this was a significant moment for representation in theater not only you know um who was on stage but who was behind the scenes because even now it's really important to have teams behind the scenes who are diverse in sex and race. So that was really that's really cool to see. Now the show itself won a Grammy award for best score from an original cast album. Ooh. Oh my god. A Grammy award two Drama Desk Awards and was nominated for four Tony Awards in 1973 for Best Musical, Book, Original Score, and Direction, which blows my mind that I do not know this show (laughs) because it was significant.
1: That's crazy and... And you said that there's a cast album. Like, is it available on, like, Spotify or iTunes or... Yeah, you can actually get the cast album. We can't
0: seem to find it on Spotify or iTunes, but you can find it on YouTube. That's how I listen to it myself. So make sure you guys check that out. Like, go to YouTube and listen to it. You won't regret it at all. (laughs) Now, Vinette herself came across many struggles in her career and fought past the limitations set on her by her race and her sex. And um, a quote that really stuck out to me was one that she said with the Los Angeles Times in 1967, where she said that, I have had a great deal of hurt in theater, both as a Negro and as a woman, but I don't get immobilized by it. I tell myself that no one individual is going to make it impossible for me. And I think that quote itself tells you how strong this woman is. She says that not one person is going to limit me by what I was born with. Like, how I came out into the world, no one is going to limit me by it. And you're going to respect me with what I can do. Not who I am, my sex, my race, all these other things. It's about my brain and and mm-hmm. what I can bring to the table. Which I'm like, wow. this sh-. And this is in the 70s,
1: guys. Yeah. So... And it holds just so much power going, yeah, it hurts. And I will admit that it hurts and that it's unfair, but I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm still going to keep doing what I'm doing and you cannot stop me. Exactly. Now, her legacy itself
0: actually continues. If she could not get any better as a woman and as a director, as someone significant in history for theatre... She was the founder and artistic director of the Urban Arts Corps, a New York-based organization that helped support Black and Hispanic theater and actors to train and produce shows. Wow. Like, she is... That's incredible insane. and this organization itself actually kickstarted the careers of dozens of performers including like Cicely Tyson and Sherman Hermsley she not only did she do that no she also directed the New York State ghetto arts program that supplied theater and dance to poorer neighborhoods which I think is just respectable you can respect this woman she mm-hmm. not only did she do so much for history in theatre, she did so much to make sure that her legacy continued, that that representation would happen
1: and that um, for, for so many um, people, being able to perform or to, you know, get out and do a dance class or a drama class um, really affect their life, whether, it you know, day-to-day life or, you know, their mental health or something. Mm. And it's something that, um, like, sometimes you yeah, have monetary issues, but... Um, some people go through where like where you're like oh i can only do one dance class whereas this is making sure that everybody get that experience no matter exactly. where they're from we want to make sure that you get to have that experience and be able to express yourself how you wish to express yourself
0: exactly now i do have a
1: fun fact oh okay <laughs> i don't have a fun fact
0: <laughs> no no this isn't really a fun it is a fun fact i think it's really interesting especially during this time But she actually had her master's in psychology from the New York University and worked as a clinical psychologist in New York. And I was just like, excuse me, what? She's not only extremely talented at writing, directing, et cetera, et cetera, and obviously being an actress, she was a smart woman. And she was also- She was smart. Yeah, she was smart. She was a PhD candidate at Columbia, and that was when she decided that she was going to pursue acting so she actually didn't continue but she received a scholarship uh, acting and that's why she went off and did the whole acting and theater career but I just am like oh my god and also not to mention I'm pretty sure that she went to university in the 1940s so that was pretty early on in history like 1930s was when women started going to university and were allowed mm-hmm. to go to university. She would have gone through some serious struggles even getting an education, to afford an education, and to, you know, to actually get one as mm. a woman at the time.
1: She's uh, she's accomplished so much, and she would have had like incomparable influence on where theater across the world stands today and where education across the world stands today. Exactly. Mm. So she
0: did a lot, and she ended up dying, I think, about age eighty so she lived a she a lived long a long life, life. but uh, I just my heart goes off to her. I have so much respect, and i from just researching, it was so incredible to discover such a powerful, strong, mm. intelligent woman who did so much for theater yeah. and I guess this is why we decided to do this sort of series, because yeah. both Tori and I want to learn more we want to educate ourselves about who came before us not just actors but also in history of like producers, directors, yeah. like different facets of theatre. Yeah, Because it's fascinating when you start to go through and realise what people have gone through. Especially with Hamilton that came out and yeah. about, you know, who who's going
1: to tell your story? Who stories, dies? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think, yeah, like what, let me say, that's the whole reason we decided to start this series is because we want to learn more and we want to be able to share that knowledge with you because I still find it crazy that... You know, Vanette Carroll and who I'm about to talk about, I didn't really know anything about these people prior to doing mm. research. That that just astounds me. And if anyone has uh, any people in particular that they want us, you know that obviously Mickey Grant is a person that I would love to do more research into and actually Mm. do an episode on. But if you guys, the listeners, have anyone in mind that you would love us to talk about, obviously we'll also be talking about Australian theatre history. We'll be talking about theatre history all around the world. But if you have anyone in particular that you would just love us to talk about,
0: um, let us know. So Tori, who have you chosen today? I'm really excited.
1: We didn't tell each other about the people before. No. So... Well, what I will start by saying is that I did find some minorly conflicting information, um, but most of it um, did correlate, so take that as you will. But first thing is, I have a question for you, Libby. Oh! Do you know who Antoinette Perry is and what she is most famous for? Oh, Antoinette Perry. Yeah, I have no clue. Well, Mary Antoinette Perry, nicknamed tony beginning in the late 20s was a trailblazer for women in theater as a producer and director does uh does the name tony give it away oh it really isn't well just just you wait born in denver colorado in 1888 Antoinette Perry spent her childhood aspiring to replicate the thespian artistry of her aunt and uncle, Mildred Hall and George Wessel, both of whom were well-respected touring actors. Whilst not avid about his young daughter pursuing a life on stage theatrically, Antoinette's father did nurture his daughter's talents by sending her to music school in New York City. On finishing school at 16, in spite of a threat of disinheritance from her grandfather, a state senator... Antoinette joined her uncle's stock company where she did everything from helping in wardrobe to selling tickets and soon became billed as the youngest female star in America. Libby, do you know what a stock company is? Wait, is a stock company like
0: actual stocks? Yeah, I was a bit confused by that. Or is it a theatrical term?
1: Well... For anyone who doesn't know, because I certainly didn't, a stock company is a troupe of actors performing regularly in a particular theatre, presenting a different play nightly from its repertoire of prepared productions. Oh my god. Yeah, so I didn't... That is really cool. Learning things that I didn't know before. (laughs) Well, when Antoinette arrived in New York in 1906 after starring in shows in Denver and Chicago... She was almost immediately cast to join the Music Master, a long-running melodrama where she met and befriended a popular actor of the time, David Warfield, whom then put her in contact with producer David Belasco, as in the Belasco Theatre, which led to many more roles in theatre. But it wasn't long before she had another man in her life. Frank Friouf, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to be butchering names in this because there are some interesting names, but Frank Friouf was an old beau and a successful businessman from Denver. They fell madly in love and married at the peak of Antoinette's acting career and had three children, one of which sadly did die two weeks after her birth. And the other two daughters, Margaret, a one-time actor and director, and Elaine, an actress, stage manager, producer, and director. Oh. Yeah. So they all went on to do they all work yeah. in the theatre industry. So that also, apart from some other things that I'll talk about later, also, you know, helps to leave her legacy behind. Definitely. Unable to extinguish her love for the theatre, Antoinette, unbeknownst to her husband, became an investor or air quotes, Angel, in Brock Pemberton's production of Zone Gal's comedy Miss Lulu Bet. At the time, for a woman to do anything other than be a mother once they had married was looked, you know, poorly upon. This is, you know, late 1800s, mm-hmm. early 1900s. So that's why she actually didn't tell her husband. When her husband discovered his wife had invested in theatre and had done so well, he did give her his blessings. That show then went on to wow. win the Pulitzer Prize and became a huge hit. Wow. Unfortunately, her husband did die in 1922 of a heart attack, leaving Antoinette with a $13 million estate. But it's, it's crazy to me that there was a time when it was, and obviously I know this, like I'm very much aware of this, but like, it's crazy to me that there was a time where as soon as you were married, it was like, great, you're done with theater. Yeah, that's
0: shocking. And the fact that she, like that blows my mind that she invested in something Mm -hmm. and then her husband supported her. Yeah. And then, oh my God, then she got a whopping inheritance that would yeah. have been a lot of money at that time like 13 million dollars now is a huge
1: amount of money but that's like yep that that was in the crazy 1920s but in 1923 perry heard theater sirens call again inspired by actress and playwright rachel crothers who directed her own plays Antoinette decided she wanted to direct and in 1929 she joined forces with Pemberton. She became a stage director at a time when women working offstage in theatre were often relegated to positions as costumers or dressers. The partnership struck gold with Preston Sturge's Strictly Dishonourable, a cynical play about virtue and prohibition. The movie rights were sold. They believed they were on their way to Easy Street. Easy Street. (laughs) (laughs) one month later though the stock market crashed and Antoinette woke up two million dollars in debt but against all odds she overcame most likely due to the success of Strictly Dishonorable yeah Antoinette continued to direct and had her biggest success in 1944 when she staged Harvey the runaway hit comedy by Mary Chase but and don't get me wrong this woman has already done amazing amazing oh, that's an significant amount of things and then oh oh my god there's
0: more there's more there's i was gonna more. say she's done such and she's done so many significant things in her
1: life obviously so far in spite of her theatrical credentials antoinette perry is best remembered for her generosity and leadership in world war ii as a co-founder of the theater wing of allied relief which is now known as the American Theatre Wing. No way. Yep. So That is like (laughs) insane. (laughs) It's insane. And it's insane that I didn't know about her until I started doing this research. Under the leadership of Antoinette and Rachel Crothers, the Wing opened the Stage Door Canteen to entertain American servicemen in New York. The first canteen was in the basement of the 44th Street Theatre and similar entertainment and dining venues were also established in LA, Boston, Washington, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Newark and San Francisco, (laughs) San Francisco, as well as abroad. (laughs) I could could not say that. As well as abroad (laughs) in London and Paris. So, stars actually worked as dishwashers, waiters, waitresses, and entertainers for the armed forces. And the Andrew sisters were frequent performers. Oh my gosh! The Stage Door Canteen made its way into national popular culture with a 1942 weekly radio show and a 1943 movie called Stage Door Canteen. The sale of the film rights... The story about the canteen and a six-figure check from Perry, along with support from Rogers and Hammerstein, provided USO tours of the show to overseas troops. And at the end of the war, Miss Perry was the guiding force in setting up, under the GI Bill of Rights, a drama school for veterans.
0: That is... I mean, she obviously, you know, she helped throughout the war and provided... Oh my gosh! Just so that—that that was a lot of information to take on board, but that is incredible.
1: I know. Like there was that. This was my issue knowing I was like there was just so much, and obviously, I'm I'm not done yet. But go and do your own research, you guys. Like listening, like go and do your own research into these people. Like find out more than even we know. But I do have a fun fact for you, uh, which is actually not 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 <laughs> not actually a very fun fact. Oh, but um. <laughs> In the US canteens, service women were denied entry, although this was not the case in the European locations, which I found very interesting. So the women were allowed to work there and perform there, but were not allowed to enter as service women. Yeah, maybe there was something to do with the societal laws, or there was something to do with. Um you know, how, how people act. Margaret Perry, so Antoinette's daughter, did confine that her mother was a bit of a gambler and that the initial money for many a wing activity or show investment came from her track winnings. But by the mid-1940s, Perry was in a huge amount of debt and living week by week on the royalties from the show that she produced earlier, Harvey. But she never lost her spark. When a reporter asked her why she continued to support theatre, he said, why do you vote so much money and time to such a thankless activity? And Antoinette simply replied, thankless? They're anything but that. I'm just a fool for theatre.
0: Oh, so she is really just a big theatre thespian, theatre nerd, just like
1: all of us. And that's this thing that we still, like, it's not like a big thing, but it's like a thing we face now where people are like, why do you do theatre? You don't really get pain. It's like, we, you know, we do it for love. That's why we do it so perry developed some heart problems but as a devout christian scientist she refused to seek medical attention so oh just for some people if you don't know because i didn't know i thought it was two separate things but a christian science is a set of beliefs associated with members of the church of christ Scientist. adherents are commonly known as christian scientists and they believe sickness can be cured by prayer Rather than seeking medical attention.
0: Right. Yeah. I was like, are we going into Scientology
1: or are we going... Oh, was she just a Christian scientist? No, this is like a whole other... Yes. I thought they were two separate things, but it's, it's, it's a whole other religion. Wow. And on June 28th, 1946, the day before her 58th birthday, Antoinette Perry died of a fatal heart attack. Oh. Yeah. So it's quite... It is it is quite sad, but well into the nineteen seventies, Antoinette Perry was the only female director with the track record of hits she directed. Seventeen plays in thirteen years with five hundred or more performances. That is substantial. Like it's, it's kind of and it's kind of crazy because you look at it and you're like, it's not a huge number. But it is—it's a huge number mm. for not only for a woman, but for a woman in that particular period of
0: time as well. It, it, yes, I think that is—that is quite amazing. The yeah. things that she
1: has achieved in her lifetime. Yeah, Brock Pemberton memorialized her as an individualist who met life head-on, dramatised life, and gave of a generous nature. He proposed an award in her honour for distinguished stage acting and technical achievement, the first Antoinette Perry Award for Excellence in Broadway Theatre. At the initial event in 1947, as Brock Pemberton handed out an award, he called it a Tony. And the name stuck. (gasps) No
2: way!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That is, okay. I never
0: realized that a woman was the Mm -hmm. reason that Tony Awards existed. And that is so special. Like, I, Mm -hmm. wow, I can't believe I never
1: knew that. I know. And I knew nothing. And it's actually, the Tony is actually the only award of the EGOT, so the Emmy Grammy Oscar Tony grouping that's actually named after someone. Wow, I didn't know that either. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> uh, wow. <well>. <laughs> that was a super brief, like I condensed the heck out of that, a super brief history of Mary Antoinette Tony Perry, an amazing woman who paved the way for so many people in theatre after her, and of course, the name behind the most prestigious theatre award, the Tonys. And I'll leave you with these last words from her daughter, Margaret. Fida was mother's greatest love, what she lived and breathed. Her outstanding trait was that she cared. It didn't matter if you were a janitor, cab driver, or on that pedestal of pedestals, an actor. Wow. This has been an education today. Right. I feel I... like I know so much more. Mm-hmm.
0: And I just I'm I'm still I'm still going over the fact that she is like her career was so substantial and how much she gave back to the theater community that the Tony Awards which is the most prestigious award, like the yeah. thing that everyone dreams about receiving
2: mm-hmm. was
0: created like was in the honor of a female for yeah. all the work that she did in history. Mm-hmm. That and
1: it's insane that I that I look honestly I can't speak for anyone listening, but I don't think there are many no, people obviously. that are going to realize that the Tonys are not only named after a person, but are named after a woman who had so so much influence. And I think it's insane that it's it's not something that is well known. Like it's on the Tonys website, but if I hadn't have been doing this research, I don't know if I would have like. Found out about it and I wasn't even doing research specifically about her I was doing research on someone else and I came across it and I read it once or twice and I was like wait what I was like the Tonys are (laughs) named after a woman and it was created in her honor you just assume it would be named after a man well I just assumed it was like at the Emmys and the Grammys where it's like It's just this thing. Also that. Um,
0: But even if it was named after anyone, you'd assume it was named after a man because that's usually how it goes. But that is mind-blowing. Well, we hope you guys have all learnt a lot from this discussion today and learning about these people. Obviously, like we said, we only... We've only got the tip of the iceberg here, but it's enough for us to kind of spark that little bit of your curiosities to go out there and do
1: some more research yourselves. And please do do research yourself because obviously we're going to continue this as a series, but we cannot cover every influential woman in theatre or every even influential person in theatre in general. So go out, do research, find out more about the thing that you love so much about and how it got to where it is today.
0: Now, after all of that incredibly insightful information, normally we do have a game that we play. But
1: today we're going to be talking about a game. Exactly. We're going to be talking about a game. So today we are super excited to talk about a new Aussie board game coming out soon. Theatre in a Box is the party board game designed for music theatre lovers much like ourselves. With over 25 years of
0: experience in the theatre community and the founder of Fantastics Production Essentials, we are lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Paul Morrison. Thank you so much for coming today. My
2: pleasure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thank you for coming. We're really excited to get to talk to you today about this exciting new game.
2: Yes, it is a very exciting new game. It's, uh, it's a musical theatre board game called uh, Theatre in a Box and we've, uh, we've got it on Kickstarter at the moment doing some crowdfunding for it as we speak. So it's very, very exciting.
1: That's awesome because I mean, I, I, like I think uh, Libby and I were talking about when um, we first heard about it, it's Personally, like Libby and I were games people. Like I recently had my 23rd birthday party and that was pretty much just a night of playing like Cards Against Humanity, board games and things like that. And I was shocked that, yeah, I've never thought about a board game based around theater. But as soon as I heard the idea, I was like, oh, this is genius. How has someone not thought about this yeah. before because that's just crazy to me
2: we thought the same thing we, we uh when when brenton uh mentioned the idea to me and I'll, I'll get to the origins of the where the game came from shortly but we we thought there must have been some form of musical theater board game out there already yeah. and doing some research um the the musical theater world is very poorly served with musical theater based board games so we thought we would uh would rectify that problem accordingly
1: yeah totally crack the market yeah. absolutely yes and can you tell us a little bit about the board game itself
2: yes yeah well the board game it's a, it's a board based board game so there is an actual board to work with and it's set up like a, a seat map so it's an aerial view of a seat <laughs> map and you start at the back of the theater yeah no you way roll, yeah you roll the dice and you work your way along the seats to making your way towards the front uh, and um, each seat is a different color and uh, each colour is a different type of challenge. And if you complete the challenge, you collect tickets, and uh, whoever has the most tickets by the end of the game, once you've all reached the stage, wins the game.
1: I Wow, that sounds like that. so much fun. Yeah,
2: so that's it in a nutshell, yes.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't sound overly, you know, there are definitely the board games out there that are just, like, great and super fun, and for, I guess, board game enthusiasts, there are some games that I have partaken in where I'm like, this is so complicated that it loses all the fun so it just sounds like obviously it's going to be fun there are going to be challenges but that it's just going to be an easy Mm -hmm. fun game just for you all to like hang out and play and just enjoy the time with other theatre geeks. Absolutely
2: Uh, and that's exactly what we intended. Uh, We didn't want it to be a Dungeons and Dragons type thing or a (laughs) uh, some role-playing monstrosity. (laughs) Uh, We actually yeah we wanted it to be a um, a very simple party game and it's gonna. It's also been designed so you can throw it in your backpack and take it to an after party and everything like that. So, oh, we, Perfect. We, we want this to be something that musical theatre people of of various levels, whether you're an expert or, or a novice in that musical theatre world, can immerse themselves in and have a good time doing.
0: And what are the challenges that are sort of, um, you, you mentioned the challenges, yes. are there singing <laughs> challenges, acting, like what is that? Is, like well, miming?
2: Well the challenges are categorised into five different groups so it's spelt S-T-A-G-E so the category spelled the word stage oh amazing yeah so S is for song Uh, so it's all about song so you have to sing the next line of a song or you have to tell us what um, what show the lyrics come from that sort of style of question. Uh, T is Tears and Cheers, which is the um, the leveler, the, the the chance card where you can pick up a card and you've had a wardrobe now function on stage and you lose tickets. Oh my gosh. Or you oh get my a gosh. you get a five <laughs> you get a five star review and you get tickets accordingly and um, it's, it's a nice level where you either win or gain tickets depending on which card you draw. The third is alpha theatrical which is all alphabet based so an example would be say as many musicals as you can starting with the letter C.
0: Oh I love that yeah. or there's That's a
2: definition so or what, 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 what starting with C means this or, or when and, and you have to say the, the, the word that, that that is the definition of so that's yeah. all alpha theatrical, which is very exciting. G is general knowledge, so it's all your musical theatre general knowledge. That that's a very easy way to explain that one. And entertain, which is a lot of, which are a lot of people's favourite category, is entertain. And entertain is that you sing, dance, act, mime, charade, uh, hum, whistle whatever is on the card to make everyone else guess what you've got on your card to get your tickets accordingly
0: that sounds like so much fun yeah
2: so those are your five categories um to uh, as an added complication you've also got a production team sitting in front of you so you've got a director a musical director and a choreographer (gasps) and because because the production team really does (laughs) encourage people to buy tickets um they're all worth different ticket values and throughout the game you might have to give your MD to someone else and swap with them or turn it toward the pile and get another one. And then by the end you add those production team members up and they get added to your tally as well.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I absolutely so there you go. love this. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> just like talking <laughs> about the challenges. I'm just sitting here like musical yep. starting with C. I'm like, what can I?
0: <laughs> we'll all be playing it. I feel like this is very up our alley. Oh, yes. so, and if there, are yeah. any,
2: if there are any disputes, there will be a, a downloadable A to Z list of, of musicals so that people can resolve their disputes if need be. So. Oh, I
1: love that. Oh, I love that. That's so that.
0: smart. So how did you actually come up for the idea for the game?
2: Uh, Well, the the idea of the game can be attributed 100% to Brenton, my my business partner. He was mowing the lawn. Um, This was a little while ago now. And um, he came up with an idea for a musical theatre board game whilst he was pushing his mower around. Um, (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, he went inside and ran the idea by his son, Flynn. And they both thought it was a great idea, so they asked me to be involved. And I was more than happy to, to be involved as well. So when um when we first started developing it it was um something that we were we were working through and then um you know life got in the way and having having kids and having jobs to go to and those sorts of things So i got put on the back burner and then obviously covid19 hit and everything got uh got cancelled accordingly and my business took a downturn to a point where i had no work left so we we dusted the idea off and and developed it and it's it's an absolute cracker of a game and now we're putting it on Kickstarter to raise some funds accordingly.
1: The way that you kind of came up with the game and obviously things like that happen where it does get put on the back burner and so but mm. it's a great time um it's a great time and it's a bad time but I think it's given a lot of people opportunities to work on those projects that they might not have had time previously to do and expand their skills, work on their own shows and stuff. So I'm I'm really glad that you guys did yeah. get the time to sit down and work on this because it has an amazing uh, and huge amount of backing and obviously the Kickstarter is still running so where can we actually go to be able to um, support um, the game and its development?
2: Well if you go to theatreinabox.com.au there is a Kickstarter link there which will take you to the Kickstarter page accordingly and yeah you're right we've um, we've hit two thirds of our goal um, within a third of the time so we are um, yeah, amazing. it is incredible and uh the the support that we've received from uh mainly the u k the u s and Australia has been phenomenal, and so we 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 think we have a really great product, and the musical mm. theater world is going to really really love it so I'd, I'd I'd love to encourage people to to back it and and pledge their uh their support to to buy a game and then take it from there
0: of course and when can we expect to be able to like purchase the game and where can we and when once it is available where will it be for us to be able to purchase
2: um yeah well the way it works is that you actually buy the game through kickstarter the only place you can (laughs) buy the game is through the kickstarter campaign and um once we hit our goal then we'll be able to go into production after that and those that have that have booked the game ordered the game will get the game um Sent through to them once it's been printed and uh and available for distribution, which we we aim to have under everyone's Christmas tree by the end of the year.
1: Wow, that sounds amazing! Yes.
2: So an is just in time for Christmas.
1: Yeah, and do you think that obviously you know there are going to be people wanting this game after the Kickstarter? Do you think depending on how it goes, do you plan on then producing more of it, or do you plan on kind of ending it after the Kickstarter?
2: Well, we we do have a minimum order requirement for um, going into manufacture. Um, yeah. But the way that we're going at the moment with hundred and uh, nearly 200 versions of the base game and over 400 expansion packs already ordered, the only way you can actually guarantee that you'll get a copy is if you order it through Kickstarter.
1: Amazing. Wow, well, that is very exciting. Yeah, and guys, yes. make sure you get on that because obviously just looking at this and talking about it, I am, So keen. I know that um, myself personally, am going to jump on that. I love all the different uh, titles for the pledges. So you've got things like, yes, we are thespians, general admission, a reserve VIP backstage pass access, all areas. I love it. It just, it's just another little thing that kind of draws you into not only the world of the game, but like any, any theater kid just like, is just going to be like, yes, this is, I want the VIP all areas access. Thank you. Um,
2: yeah, so I'm, we're, 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 I'm glad you are. You do want that because it's a very top level where you actually get to be in the game itself. So we'll actually get a <laughs> a, a caricature of you made up to be in the game if you do play oh to the access all areas <laughs> level. So
0: that is incredible. you actually
2: get to be in the game itself.
0: That's like a dream immortalized (laughs) through a a board game immortalized
2: in a musical theater board game no less
0: i know that is a dream this is is so
2: exciting (laughs) so you can buy pledge to buy the base game uh, and we've got three expansion packs available as well um and we've got the return season there's a backers only pack which is only available through kickstarter and even if we do produce packs in the in the future that pack will not be available anywhere else other than on kickstarter and the third one is a professional's pack where those people that think they're experts have the questions that have been designed to be more difficult than normal. So they're, they're, they're going to test the, uh, the the mice and the men, so to speak.
0: Amazing. That sounds like such an amazing board game. Yeah. And we are more than excited to be able to get our hands on it soon, hopefully by December. yes, We will be playing along with everyone, hopefully at home as well. So make sure you guys check that out. But before we go... We did want to see if you had. We normally finish our episode with a bedtime story, Ooh. so this is like a show mishap. Yes. And obviously, we spoke a little bit about. I feel like you have a lot of experience in the theatre. Do you. you have a show mishap that we could share with our audience? Yeah, I, I
2: am. I am aware of this segment of your show. So, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> after After doing over sixty performance for productions myself, I've had my fair share of. Of uh, mishaps as it were but one of them um particularly comes to mind is head and shoulders above everything else it's um it's when we were doing west side story uh, back in 1999 that tells you how old i am <laughs> um and uh at the end of the first act there's obviously the rumble scene between the sharks and the jets and they're you know yep. riff and bernardo have been stabbed and they're all fighting uh, there was meant to be a police siren that was sounded so we all knew to run off stage because uh, And all the all the all the lights and the the spotlights all waving around the stage. Unfortunately, the sound guy accidentally played the Mr. Whippy music by accident. Oh no! No Instead of a police siren sound. And so when we all (laughs) ran off stage, because we heard the sound, we ran off stage. It looked like we were all running off to buy ice cream.
1: (laughs) It's no longer about the fight, guys. No, it's like ice cream, cream ice cream above all. Ice cream comes first. Absolutely,
2: as long as there's a, as long as there's a flake in it, then I'll buy one.
1: That is too good.
2: <laughs> the sound guy was mortified, but it was yeah, it was the funniest mishap I've been part of. Yes.
0: <gasps> yeah,
1: that is that is an amazing stage mishap. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's my pleasure. <laughs> and of course. Thank you so much for um, coming on and talking to us today and reaching out to us. We are so excited for this game. And of course, you guys, if you want to get your hands on Theatre in a Box, 100% jump on the Kickstarter. You can find all information about the game and the Kickstarter through their website, which is theaterinabox.com.au, And of course, don't forget to check them out on Instagram, which is theatre.in.a.box. Yes. So make sure you check them out over there for any updates and the future games but thank you so much paul for coming on and having a chat with us today it's so ex- exciting and we just i <laughs> i am like just so excited right now i just want to play this game like <laughs> you sound now. very giddy
2: yes <laughs> very excited
1: she is a um game absolute gamer. i am i'm, yeah. she loves I'm games, a massive so. gamer i am a uh D player i am a video gamer so uh, games of any form and especially to have something that is so in like our realm of theater like this is this is our career this is our profession our profession but we also constantly geek out about it so to have a game mm. to like put all of that yes. energy into is just i'm so excited
2: <laughs> yes and the one thing i should probably mention before we go is that we've got 30 musical theater based animated characters in the show <gasps> in sorry in the in the game um who have wow. all been designed by um robert mason who um is a, a disney animator so he um he, yeah, so he's, he's, wow. just, he's created all the characters that are included in the game. So it, it is visually a spectacular game as well. And we're, we're really looking forward to bringing it to everyone.
0: How exciting. Yeah, well, absolutely. thank you so much for everything today. And make sure you guys check them out on their Kickstarter and also their website and Instagram. But we hope you guys stay happy, healthy and safe. And until next time, bye! bye.